Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, friends, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Eric Olson. Welcome to BC Radio Live for another fun-filled, amazing, amazemo edition. How you doing out there? Well, I hope. Hope you're uh, having a great summer. Hope the weather's good. Boy, up northeast Ohio where I am, we've had a really odd summer so far. Plenty of heat, but also lots of cool, wet days. We're back to that again. I don't think it's getting up to 70 even today here. Really odd. We were in Chicago last weekend for a 40th surprise 40th birthday party and our own uh, 11th wedding anniversary, uh, which was uh, really a ball. And it was super hot. I mean, it was like almost 90. And then we cruised back over here and back to being cool. Anyway, great show tonight. Very excited about it. As always, always enjoy our time together. Up first, and uh, I believe he may be on the line right now, we have the very impressive, trying to get the thing to work here, please work, yes, there we go, the very impressive Evan Balin. Evan's an intellectually curious entrepreneur who loves a challenge. He's the SEO entrepreneur and founder of Cartoon Doll Emporium, and he's got a powerful SEO story to tell, SEO being search engine optimization. And uh, we who are involved with the Internet, man, there's, there's not a whole lot that's more important than that. Rather than me giving uh, a bunch more canned intro, why don't we talk to Evan himself? Evan, is that you? Yes, it is. How are you? Excellent. Eric Olson here. Pleasure to speak with you I, as, a, uh, as a website, as an Internet entrepreneur myself and, and uh, online magazine publisher for Blog Critics. I am absolutely fascinated by anything you might have to say, and as we all know, man, it's all about the SEO, right? It really is. Um, it's, it's so important to show up at the top of Google's rankings because what it does is it confers authority on you instantly. Uh, people trust Google, and Google is the go-to place when you're looking for anything, and they are becoming more and more, uh, more, and more of the dominant uh, website that people go to, and they increase their search uh, market share. Even with Bing? <laughs> Even with Bing, believe it or not. I mean, Bing has made a little bit of a splash, but people are definitely not shifting. It's not uh, this great cataclysm that people are talking about. No, I noticed that it moved, what? They, they'd gone up, uh, their, their, their share had gone up maybe 2%, is that right? I think they had taken about 2% of the uh, market share, which, which threatened Yahoo a little bit because Yahoo's share has been going down for a while. But... Uh, we'll see if it stays there. There was definitely a lot of initial curiosity, and I think they spent about $250 million uh, advertising. Sure, they ads are everywhere. Sure. Yeah, I mean, my mother was saying, what, what's this Bing thing? So we, we know she saw the ads, you know. She, she is not a, an Internet person at all, but she is a TV person, so she was aware of it. So at least Microsoft has has uh, accomplished that, you know, made people aware of it. Why don't you give us a little bit of your background and how you arrived at where you are and how, how you gained the knowledge that you have. Sure. Uh, I graduated from Columbia about six years ago. and uh, Creep, I knew, young guy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, I, uh, I wasn't sure what I was supposed to be doing. If I were to listen to my mom and my dad, I would have just become uh, a nice doctor or a lawyer, but I decided I wanted to blaze my own path. And uh, I started a, uh, a service to help kids get into Ivy League schools. Um, and the problem was I had no business whatsoever. I was, I was outside of Penn Station in the middle of uh, 
Manhattan and handing out flyers that I'd created myself, and it just really wasn't working. People thought I was charging too much to to do consulting for, uh, you know, for college admissions, and uh, I just didn't have any customers. So that's how I started studying search engines. And uh, at first, I just really had no idea what I was doing, but I just went onto a couple of the forums that they have where so-called experts teach you the ways of search engines. And I ended up learning quite a bit uh, from that, but I also learned that there's a tremendous amount of misinformation out there, that everybody thinks there are certain things you're supposed to do to rise to the top of the organic rank, uh, rankings in Google. And uh, a lot of that stuff wasn't true. And I ended up buying some pretty inexpensive websites. I paid 200 or $300 for each one. And I was just experimenting with the way that those websites link to my website. And pretty soon uh, I found that I had sort of cracked uh, Google's algorithm, and it was a very exciting moment. This is about a year and a half after I started. And once I learned how to do it, I was able to start any business I wanted. And I started a whole bunch of businesses. Um, and uh, they all exist to this day. I've sold some of them. And uh, one of them is actually Cartoon Doll Emporium, which is one of the largest kids' websites online. It was all started through uh, that, that SEO uh, kind of trick. Wow. Interesting. Well, why don't you uh, can you can you reveal uh, you know some or all of of this information that you've gleaned? Uh, can we pass any of that on? And I'm also equally interested in, uh, like you said, there are some some common truisms you kind of see everywhere, you know, as far as what people suggest. And maybe if we could address some of those, and and I'm particularly interested in the ones you think you know are absolutely not true. Um, you know, so anything you can pass along, of course, would be of very great interest to our listeners, all of whom essentially are, you know, are internet-oriented people. Many of whom are are uh, have their own sites. Sure, sure, absolutely. I'm happy to. Uh, I think uh, one of the biggest things that has been uh, emphasized is uh, on-page content versus off-page content, and by that I mean. Um, the, the, the factors that exist outside of your web page. Do those matter or do the words on your page and your images and your titles and all the stuff that's in the background, your HTML, uh, does that matter more? And for a while, they both mattered pretty significantly. And uh, you know, I'd say about five years ago, a tremendous amount changed, especially as Google became more and more popular. And one of the things that is, uh, I'd say, most salient nowadays is uh, the fact that on-page content barely matters. So the things you write on your website have very little to do with what Google certainly uh, is looking at. They care a lot more about the links that are coming into your website. Now, I guess uh, depending on how into search engine optimization you are or how much knowledge you have, that may sound obvious, but one thing that uh, people th that, that think they know a lot about search engine optimization believe is that the sites that link to you need to be relevant to the content that's on your site. So if you have an automotive site, there needs to be other automotive-related sites linking to you in order to make you show up highly in the rankings. That's actually not true, and that's one of those things that Google would have you believe so that your life is a little bit more difficult and you uh, have a tougher time optimizing. But just about any site that links to you is going to give uh, you plenty of authority. Now, the site that links to you needs to uh, have authority itself, meaning it needs to have a lot of links. So there's a whole chain that goes back and back. Uh, does that make sense so far? Oh, yes. Sure. Um, 
So what I tend to do with my clients is I link to them from some of my websites and from websites from the many other people that I work with in the SEO community. And we try to get the oldest, most valuable sites possible to link to my client sites. And if you get enough of those, that's how you get to the top of the Google rankings. That's the basic idea. Now, I could get more specific, but I wouldn't want to give away my secret sauce. <laughs> All right. Now, are you talking about links within um, written content? In other words, we're, we, blog critics, are, and we're a seven, by the way, or whatever that counts for. Um, you know, we've, we've had reasonably good success with Google, and a high percentage of our traffic does come from Google. And we always want to be higher. Um, we thought we were almost to an eight a few years ago, and then some some interesting uh, odd um, at the time dismaying. But now you know we understand things happened, and uh, and a seven we remain. Uh, but I think we're a more highly placed seven um, than we were in the past. Um, that's another thing a lot of people don't know is there's within the page rank there's a whole other set of of um, of differentiations. I don't know if it's another 10 or I don't know. I'm sure you know about that, but um, I'm guessing it's at least another set of 10. So you're a seven point something in other words, and they don't ever tell you that you can find out what your page rank is pretty easily. Uh, but um, you have to pretty well interpret just based on traffic coming in and, and doing some trial and error uh, that I've learned anyway. Um, so, uh, back to my question, are we talking about links within the content, which from our site, uh, which is why I brought that up, would be you know, within an article, or are we talking about uh, permanent links and sidebars? We have very few of those. We've actually pared those down over the years. We used to have a lot more. We just did a new redesign just two months ago. Our, our new design went live, and those pretty well eliminated the outgoing permanent links, um, you know, sidebar, in other words, type links, uh, other than... Uh, within our own uh, corporate organization, uh, we are now we were bought last year, in fact, almost exactly a year ago, last August, by Technorati. So all of our, basically all of our outgoing links, uh, permanent links, are you know somehow related to Technorati. I see. Um, well, I mean, I think that's a, a really good question because uh, Google is considering so many different things. And if you think of the, the amount of intelligent people they have working on this cat and mouse game that is SEO, um, there are so many factors that they have to consider so that people like me don't figure it out. Because if, if enough people like me existed, uh, then the rankings uh, would be basically spiked. Um, and you wouldn't get those real uh, results that you're looking for that are truly relevant to your search. Um, so what they've done is they've de-emphasized the value of certain links depending on the place it is. Um, and you know, to your question, whether or not it's actually within the content or on the sidebar or on the bottom, on the footer, or in the header. Um, and uh, there are so many factors that go into their algorithm. This is just one small factor. But suffice to say, if you have a link in tiny letters at the very bottom of the page in a footer, that is a lot less valuable than a link that's um, towards the top of the article within the, the context, let's say, of the first paragraph. Um, because they just are trying to think like a human being thinks, and someone that writes an article and links to something probably finds it relevant for some reason. And if enough people are doing that, then uh, that, that link, you know, the site that's being linked to, should show up for some term. And they, they figure out which term it is by the context. Okay. And, and how does their, what I've never 
understood really. And as I say, we've had some dealings with with Google, and so I've sort of learned some. Although, as as you well know, they're they're not particularly <laughs> revealing forthcoming people, but no, they're not. But more so than they used to be. Um, you know, I mean, at least you can follow. Um, you know, you can follow the blog. For you know, you you can follow the Matt Cuts blog, and uh, you know, if you interact with Matt Cuts, you probably know more than you would otherwise. And I, I think they they do give a little more information than they used to. Uh, although sometimes I wonder, you know, if it's all absolutely the truth or if there's a little disinformation going on. I hate, hate to say that, but anyway, uh, it, how does their algorithms? Uh, make these determinations because we know none of it's human. Um, if something goes dramatically wrong and you can find the right person uh, and they agree that something has gone dramatically wrong, they can and do fix things by hand. But, I mean, that's extremely low percentage of what's going on. Basically, it's all run by machines. So how does the machine know what's... How does the machine think like a person in terms of uh, uh, fixing the highest priority? Well, uh, what they have is a very sophisticated algorithm, and as I'm sure you're aware, there's, uh, you know, y you can do things with algorithms that are pretty amazing. I mean, they're working with, you know, natural language search right now, and they have the cloud, and there are so many different uh, algorithms out there that are absolutely Im impressive. Um, but what Google does specifically, and uh, this was one of the first things that I, I kind of tried to figure out, I, I read into the uh, position papers that Larry and Sergi uh, wrote on PageRank when they were at Stanford. Uh, what they do is they um, divide um, the web into what's known as barrels, and there are certain factors that matter the most. And uh, I don't want to reveal everything uh, you know, right here, but one thing uh, which I already mentioned that matters the most is links. So that would be something that would be in the first barrel that they would look at. So they're going to look at the number of, of uh, incoming links to a website when they're deciding how valuable it is and what page rank it should have. And uh, they're going to look at probably just two other factors. So the, uh, of the about 50 factors that are a part of the algorithm that determine where every site ranks for a given search, there's just two or three that matter the most, links being the most important. And once they've gone through those factors, uh, all things being the same, then they look at a whole bunch of other factors. And that's where you might see things like meta tags. Meta tags are something that, you know, when I speak to clients that feel that they know a bit about SEO, they're like, well, I've optimized my meta tags. You know, I have a web guy that went in and he, he threw a bunch of keywords in there. Uh, what they don't know is that doesn't matter anymore. If it does, it matters so little that it, it you know, couldn't possibly make a difference in your SEO strategy. Um, so they have it figured out pretty well. And you were mentioning the, the little bit of, uh, human interaction that can occur, Google strives to have as little as possible. And uh, you're not going to see very much of that unless there's something that would be a uh, PR fiasco for them, basically. Right. Well, what happened to us was um, among, among these changes, and in fact the timing is even about what you said it was, um, you know, as their algorithms have changed, and of course they change to a certain extent all the time, but but there's major changes, uh, you know, there, or there appear to be anyway, you know, periodically every now and then. And what had happened at that time was this is you know four-ish years ago, maybe already four and a half years ago, I guess, um, or maybe I'm adding a year. But anyway, um, what had happened was we what what our site is 
is a essentially a group. Uh, originally, it was a group blog. Now it's a magazine. And so writers uh, determine what they wish to, you know, what kinds of stories they want to add to the site. Uh, this was a, the case in the past, anyway. And um, and and at the very beginning, they were essentially on their own as far as putting things in. So since we had no rules about it, hadn't even really thought all that much about it, um, they were allowed to share with us stories they'd already published on their own sites. Well, uh, what had happened in the in the meantime, we started way back in '02. What had happened in the meantime is all of these splogs, uh, people who were trying to take advantage of uh, search engine optimization, sort of from the the black hat perspective, and who were not using any of their own content, but were borrowing content from other people, borrowing, I use euphemistically, of course, from, from other sites, um, and then uh, you know attaching AdSense or some other revenue-generating mechanism to it, um, they were popping up. And so all the original content people, people who were generating the content legitimately, like, like us, for example, uh, at least we felt, you know, uh, uh, complained. And as well, we should have. In fact, we we had complained because our material was popping up all over the place. And so um, Google introduced uh, into the algorithm, you know, penalties for not running first-run content. And what happened to us was here we were we were seven way back then. We we rose pretty quickly um, over the first few years and became a, a seven within I don't know maybe it was four years. Uh, or so, three years. Uh, and um, so anyway, our Google co- uh, traffic literally disappeared overnight. I mean, you could just look at it, you know, look at the referrals, and it went from very steady uh, amount, you know, very predictable steady amount to nothing. This was right, this was the Christmas break, break between, uh, I think it was the day after Christmas um, in late 05, uh, leading into 06. So obviously we were stunned and floored and our traffic dropped by, you know, two-thirds. Uh, it was horrifying. And we didn't know anything or know anyone. And it took us weeks and weeks and weeks just to track down anyone who would even talk to us at Google. And we did finally track the right people down and went through this whole explanation of how we work and how we operate, blah, 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 blah. And they did finally fix it by hand. It took... I think it was 10 weeks. You can imagine how our lives were for those 10 <laughs> weeks with, yep. with, with two-third traffic reduction. And, you know, what was we weren't ever flat out told this. I'll, I'll, I'm, I'm greatly simplifying, as you can imagine, a 10-week process. Uh, yeah. but, but what was strongly implied and did turn out to be true was we needed to switch our model, uh, you know, to reflect the fact that, that, uh, the, tra- that the content was was published first with us. And there was nothing illegitimate about that because we generate most of the content. We enable most of the content anyway by providing review materials. We're handing out CDs and books and DVDs and concert tickets and interviews, opportunities and, and you know, news suggestions, feature suggestions every single day. So, I mean, we were, we were enabling the writers to write these stories anyway. It's just they were going ahead, you know, naturally. Uh, and, and putting them on their own sites first before they were putting them up with us. So um, 
you know, we changed that, and we began by asking, but we ultimately made it a rule. In fact, it's, I think it's two years ago now that it became a rule that you had to publish a story with us first. And we also changed, uh, uh, the other main change we had in that time frame was we went to all the stories are gone over uh, by an editor prior to publication. So, I mean, this was an arduous process, and it happened more than once. It happened about a year later where we just disappeared. But at least at that point, we knew what was happening, and we knew who to get to. And, um, you know, it ended up happening many, many times, uh, but, but the time lag to getting it fixed got shorter and shorter and shorter. I mean, it got to the point where we would literally, I would send an email to the guy, and he'd fix it within, you know, an hour or two. Um, and and then finally, um, you know, when we – I can only assume, and nothing's ever been said to contradict this, you know, when we finally hit that threshold, you know, whatever that threshold was as far as the percentage of stories published with us first versus published elsewhere first – uh, we've never had the problem since, but that it was about an 18-month period where, you know, where the same thing kept happening, and they kept fixing it by hand because they did buy into, you know, who we said we were and how we said we operated. And to this day, I got to say, you know, we certainly do appreciate that. I don't think it should have been as hard as it was to. It shouldn't have taken 10 weeks to get a hold of them in the first place and to find the right people, but. Obviously, they don't want to make that too easy. So, um, you know, that's my tale, and that's my background, and that's why I know what I know, because, my God, you know, my, my living basically disappeared, more or less, you know, for 10 weeks uh, in early 2006. And, I mean, it was a drastic situation, and we we just we were clutching at straws, as you can imagine. So is that the kind of story you hear very often? Does that make sense to you? Does, does, does my... Uh, assessment of what caused it and my assumptions, do, do those make sense to you? They do. I, I mean, I, you're completely correct. In fact, I remember the very day that Google did that update to their algorithm uh, because I used to be a Matt Cutts junkie. Um, and uh, <laughs> we, we actually created the first ever, and I think to this day, the only Matt Cutts cartoon doll. If you Google that, oh, you'll see it was, it was syndicated all over the Internet. But uh, I, although Matt responded that he found it funny, he refused to... Uh, to post it because he said it was too much like link bait. But uh. he's, he's the one that's always <laughs> preaching that link bait is a good thing. But, uh, but that's funny. I do uh, I do remember exactly what you're talking about. They they did this was uh, yeah I think you're about you're right. So like three years ago, three and a half years ago, what they were trying to do is remove that problem with the, the splogs and the duplicative content. And uh, they did a fairly decent job, but they threw out a lot of the. Well, they sure did. <laughs> They, they did. They accomplished, but uh, yeah, that's a that's a that's a good uh, description. They threw out a lot of they threw out a lot of babies with the bathwater. <laughs> they really did, and I remember uh, you know being on the, the forums that I that I frequent and seeing so many people absolutely freaking out. And these are people that have websites that are of course uh, not as highly trafficked as BlogCritics.org. And uh, but of course you know people are making their living for them and it's mostly uh, content sites you know uh, sites that have lots of articles on them um, that that suffered from it but uh, you know there are a lot of people that really couldn't get through to Google and and there's a decent amount of people whose livelihoods were significantly affected by that and I think that's something that people forget which is that Google is a, a company that you know can make errors and they have a lot of things to think about besides individual people's websites, they're, they're trying to do everything en masse so they can concentrate on the billions of dollars they're making every year. Uh, it's fortunate that you actually got some personal assistance from them because I think a lot of people 
uh, may have, you know, suffered on an individual basis, even worse. Couldn't even well, I am telling you, and you can probably appreciate it more than just about anyone, it took a tremendous perseverance. <laughs> I, I mean, we just hounded everyone we knew who had a who had an at Google email address is really what it comes down to, you know, and said, uh, you know, just kept reiterating our situation, how dry, how dire it was, how many people it was affecting. Because it wasn't just, you know, me uh, and, and and my partner at the time who were the owners of the site. And, and, you know, it wasn't generating huge funds at that point, but we were, you know, I did anyway view it as, I mean, it was my job, you know. Uh, it's what I did for a living, and I got four kids. And... Uh, the uh uh you know but it wasn't just us i mean it was it was the 2000 writers who belonged to us you know uh who belonged to the site who were counting on the site who were relying on the site to do what we said we would do for them in exchange for their content namely uh give them vastly wider exposure you know give them professional input uh you know give them a place that they could be proud of give them traffic, you know, on and on and on. And we weren't able to really do any of this, certainly not to the extent that, that we had previously and, or, and that that implies, you know, that we would do on a continued basis uh, in the past. And so, you know, it, I mean, it wasn't just me, in other words, that this was affecting. It was affecting all of our writers as well. And I think that played a part in why they did finally respond. Because, you know, it, it, on paper anyway, we're, we're, kind of a, we're kind of a paradigm, you know, of, of one way of of using the internet, it's a it's a group site, people banding together on a volunteer basis, you know, totally ground up, nothing top down about it, and uh, um, you know, helping each other, helping each other improve, uh, doing the best possible work that we can, content wise, trying to get better as writers, you know, helping each other, criticizing each other, critiquing each other, editing each other, um, you know, everyone trying to improve, everyone trying to have their voice heard. So, you know, you, you can imagine if. Uh, put the right way, phrased the right way, that could have been a pretty big nightmare, you know, PR for Google to have slapped down these poor people so so cavalierly. Uh, but again, it took 10 weeks. You know, I think we finally, I think we tracked him down. I think we finally found Matt. And Matt Matt's the guy, still is. He was then too. You know, it took us, uh, I, you know, a good portion of that to find him. And then once we found him, we had to explain the whole thing about why we felt we were, you know, should be viewed as an exception, treated as an exception, and um, you know why we were not a splog, and on and on, and how we operate, and how you know our methods enabled the creation of these stories. So, but as I say, it, the permanent fix didn't come, you know, 18 months later or something like that, when you know we finally uh, had had been able to change. And again, when you're dealing with that many people, you know, it's like trying to steer, trying to turn around a, you know, an ocean liner. It's not easy. People are in the habit of, of, of you know, writing their story, posting it on their site, copying it, coming over to our place. It, you know, it took a lot of effort and convincing to get people, to get the writers to, you know, change their habits. And uh, ultimately, as I said, we finally had to make it a rule, you know, to, to publish with us first. But... Um, you know, once we did achieve that threshold, uh, we ha we've never had any issues again. But my, the other assumption I made, and you, you probably have some thoughts on this, 
during that 18-month period where we're popping in and out, you know, of the returns, in and out of the search database, we essentially, we, you know, disappeared when we weren't in, when we were, when we came a cropper of the algorithm, uh, I think that absolutely affected our, you know, our basic search rank, right? Because we're not getting the links, we're not, people aren't seeing us in the search returns, so we're not getting the links from 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 other bloggers or other people who would be searching for those, you know, the subject of those stories that we're writing about. And, uh, you know, so we felt that that uh, not only did it directly, you know, keep us from getting the traffic, that two-thirds of the traffic that was coming from search engines uh, during those periods, especially that first 10 weeks, but it also affected our, our page rank in general. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah, it does because of the fact that you missed out on some of the momentum that's natural to the web, which is what you said. People are are uh, linking as they see stories come out. Uh, you guys, you know, have fresh content. Uh, I don't know if it's hourly, um, but oh, it's uh, round the clock. We do about about forty stories a day. Okay, so I mean, y- y- your site is exactly the type of site that would be badly affected by not getting those new visitors that you're used to getting, uh, who could be webmasters that end up linking, and uh, those links that you get from people that are naturally recognizing the stories and appreciating them are what builds up your page rank, and that's what got you guys to a page rank seven, and that's uh, what what could get you higher as well. Um, and uh, it, the the frustrating thing is that Google doesn't actually have any duty to keep any individual site in the rankings or to send it traffic, but uh, it's become such a, a part of the fabric of our society that it almost feels as if they should. If they de-index someone, it could be their livelihood, it could be someone's favorite site that. Uh, you know that they'll never even discover. Uh, there's so many, you know, there's so many reverberations uh, um, culturally for uh, you know Google having a mass de-indexing um, of of websites for whatever reason, even if it's a good reason like spam protection. Right. Well, I, I, I hasten to add, I, I really do admire, you know, the amazing um, skill with which Google has created this empire. I mean, the re- they, the, there's a reason they are where they are. It's because they do it the best. And yep. and like I say, too, even on the customer service side of things where they don't necessarily get the highest ranks all the time, you know, once we did find the right people, uh, we were treated extremely well. And And I know that we – I mean, we were told flat out, hey, we don't normally – deal with, you know, on a personal level with sites as small as you guys, because, you know, at the time we were smaller still, um, it's just purely from the traffic and whatnot standpoint, you know, we're talking about they're used to dealing with, you know, top 100 or, you know, top 1,000 anyway sites uh, to get to deal with them, uh, you know, special treatment, quote unquote. Uh, but, you know, uh, once we found those people, um, you know, it was clear to us and, uh, you know, that they that they did care and that, that it was important to them that that we, you know, should not be penalized, uh, you know, due, due to causes uh, not our own. And I, I thought that was very ethical of them and, and feel strongly that, you know, ultimately they are a very ethical organization. And I think they I think they do care. It's just, you know, the numbers are just so staggering, like you say. I mean, there's millions and millions and millions of sites. And there's only so much they can do on an individual basis. So, uh, you know, it wasn't easy, but it, it was important enough to us, and we had a, a good enough case that we were able to, to finally get through. Uh, but, um, you know, I mean, I, I guess the the, um, the object lesson there is if you, if you do feel 
something strongly enough, if you feel that you're you know not being treated correctly, uh, stick with it until you get it resolved, or at least until you get an answer, and and possibly even then, you know, don't take no for an answer. Sure. I mean, I, I think that's a good rule to apply to you know uh, life and certainly entrepreneurship. Uh, but one thing I, I do want to point out that they're doing uh, to their credit, and they started doing this probably shortly after they permanently solved the issue that was affecting your website, uh, is they started sending out letters to webmasters whose sites they had de-indexed saying, just so you know, your site has been removed from our index, uh, and it will be considered for re-inclusion in a month. The reason for this is, I'm going to give you your reason. And uh, I think it was uh, maybe two and a half, three years ago they started doing this, and it's been very helpful because they do pay some personal attention uh, to the websites that have been de-indexed, and they at least let you know, you know, heads up, this occurred, and they even give you the reason. That's not something they started doing. They, uh, originally, when they came out with that, uh, they uh, began doing that a little bit later. I think about a year later is putting the specific reason. I absolutely agree with you. That is, that's actually wonderful because you know, if nothing else, you know what it deals addresses your peace of mind. I mean, the big, the, our, the biggest problem we had, uh, you know, at the beginning of all that was just not knowing what was happening. Yeah. You know, that, that was the the worst feeling of all, beyond the obvious <laughs> negative, uh, you know, objective issues. It was the subjective thing of man, what, you know, what the hell happened? I mean, it took us a while just to figure out, you know, specifically that yes, that is what happened. We are no longer, you know, in the Google search return. So, um, all right. Well, I appreciate all that, and uh, very, uh, I'm, I'm relieved actually that someone with your level of knowledge, uh, you know, more or less confirms uh, our conception of of what happened with us and what we learned from it. But um, you know, yeah. I mean, I did learn a lot. I probably do know more than most. Not. It wasn't so much that I was, you know, seeking specifically SEO knowledge. It just kind of came by doing from doing the research of. Of, of dealing with all these issues that were going on and trying to figure all that out and come to terms with it and you know stay on the good side of things um, and and there's a whole other set of issues uh, which we can't get into because we run out of time uh, with Technorati you know now our our um, our corporate um, our corp uh, as we say our our benevolent overlords, we say, we chuckle about that. But uh, yeah, there's a whole other set of issues because, see, they have still very little, not none anymore, no, no longer none, but it's still relatively little original content. They they are an algorithm-driven site, so you know there are issues and uh, they are ongoing. It's a whole other set of things, and, and it's a whole different scale because you know they're a really really big site, and. Uh, uh, you know, even minor changes in in how Google reflects uh, back to them, you know, makes a huge difference traffic-wise. So um, that's a whole other set of things. But, you know, in some ways it's it's not dissimilar in that we're talking about, uh, you know, content or, or lack thereof. Hey, uh, what I really want to get to for, uh, since I'm already running behind for the next segment, uh, is how, how can people get a hold of you and... Uh, I uh, really appreciate uh, speaking with you and really enjoyed it and hope you can come back. How how, sh- how can people best get a hold of you and where would you send them? Sure. Uh, best way to get in touch with me is uh, through uh, my SEO company, which is called First Page Sage. Um, and uh, you can reach that at firstpagesage.com. And uh, all the information is right there, a little bit of background on me. Um, and... Uh, 
it was uh, really nice to speak with you as well and to uh, share a little bit of knowledge and hear some of uh, your side of what's been uh, going on with blog critics and what's happened in the past. Hey, I was born to blab, man. <laughs> I, I hope I didn't take up too much of your time talking about my issues. No, but, no, no. It was very interesting. Okay. Well, uh, congratulations on your success and being such a uh, uh, being so top of the field at such a young age, and uh, really admire that and appreciate your sharing all the info that you have. So, once again, let's send people to what is your site? Firstpagesage.com. I like that name, firstpagesage.com. All right, Evan Balin, thank you very much, and hope to talk to you again soon. Thanks, Eric. All right, we move on to the blog critics segment of the show. Very excited about this. I've been a fan of Alice Jester since she first started writing for us, and in fact, it was her writing that led my wife and I to start watching Supernatural, which became our favorite yes. show. <laughs> our favorite show. Joining me, uh, I, I believe somewhere in the mix here, is Alice, and also, as always, or almost always, we have executive editor, Blog Critics executive editor, Lisa McKay, and Blog Critics chief geek tech whiz dude, Philip Wynn. Hello, everyone. Hello, hello. Aloha. I have had a hard day. Perhaps some of you have picked up on that. Well, let me tell you briefly what happened since I imagine ultimately, although it was not meant that way, it ends up being somewhat directed at Philip. Uh, we had this big, long talk yesterday because, as we all know, we've had issues. And as we all know, most of those have nothing to do with any of us. They uh, came as a result of this massive server move, uh, which we've talked about before, Technorati. Again, totally legitimate reason behind it. No issues there. I mean, if you're going to save, you know, whatever it is, 50% a month on on server costs, and when you're talking about a thousand servers, that's a lot of money. Uh, you know, that made total sense. Plus, it's more the new ones are more efficient, they're faster, they're cheaper, they're everything. So all that's to the good. But you know, as as it turned out, the the execution was fraught with all kinds of issues. So. We've all been rather stressed, and I had this big, long talk yesterday with uh, ultimately all of our boss, good guy Dave at Technorati, and, and I really had the impression that we'd kind of turned a corner and that we, you know, at least the worst of it was behind us. So then there was something, just this really specific thing, and I, obviously my fault, wasn't paying enough attention, thought was fixed, and it wasn't fixed, and all of a sudden just this 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 wellspring of magma, this volcano welled within me. How can this not be fixed? How can this not be working now? Of all things, I you know, thought this freaking thing was fixed, and it wasn't. And so I just kind of lost my mind and freaked out, and I was on top of some other things. And uh, poor, poor Dave then, he, he spent like two hours trying to pacify me. Felt really bad that he had put that much time and effort into it, you know. Because I mean, I'm not four, you know. Um, I'm, I'm, <laughs> they act like it, but you know, that was a lot of time and, and effort on the on the internal PR front. But I mean, that happens periodically. I, I have to admit it. Uh, and uh, at least in the process of that, we do typically convey some important information um, thing, you know, like I do have a much better understanding now of some of the the actual 
you know, way that this works uh, from the tech end, which I really didn't before. So, I mean, I learned that. I learned that, uh, once again, uh, Dave is, is an exceedingly uh, diplomatic individual and has the patience uh, of a saint, and I don't. <laughs> well, uh, no, no worries from my end. I, I didn't take it personally much. <laughs> yeah, much. <laughs> much, much. I have to admit, I sent you an email with like a point one and a point two, and I, I really, really thought about adding point three. I thought about adding a point three, but it would have been rude, so I didn't. <laughs> well, uh, well, good for you. Yeah, I mean, really, well, we the, haven't. The, the I mean, we haven't thing. had any. You, you and I really haven't had any particular issues. You know, like since you were super stressed before. Yeah, the, yeah. the design, the new design went live. But really, since then, even with all these problems, you know, we haven't had any problems as far yeah, as yeah. That's part of why. That's part of why I didn't take it personally. Yeah, I, I remember, I remember sending some emails right around launch time that were probably unconsidered to say the best, to say the least. Anyway, so the good news is for for people like Alice and other writers, um, some some good new updates to uh, to features are coming, uh, possibly. Possibly late tonight, uh, certainly probably tomorrow, and some other other fixes are, are in the queue and coming very soon. So it and, all and is that probable is, and well. And that is excellent. And 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 ultimately, part of my excuse too for why I freaked is I I am very excited about all the new feature capabilities. You know, we got a really right. big major one right there. You know, on the front page, and um, you know we're, we're we actually got around the the current issue of of not yet you know being able to automatically put pictures on those actual pages by just putting them in by hand duh so yeah. i mean that's really not that big a deal so anyway i mean that ultimately really was kind of why i overreact is because i'm so positive and excited about the feature stuff and and another layer you know we've added another layer i hadn't even really thought in those terms you know, I guess that was yesterday too. That hey, if we put original content on those pages, on those feature pages, we're not just collecting links and descriptions of the stories. We're actually making yeah. those content pages as well. So I, uh, I definitely thought of that while listening to the last segment with your with your previous guest. I thought, aha, and here's why we need. Feature description. <laughs> yeah, it was interesting. As usual, I ended up probably talking too much. Although I really did want to hear his thoughts on on our whole uh, our whole history, you know, which we've gone over a number of times. But um, you know, it was interesting to hear that that he agreed really with all of our assessments and 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 even the timing. Did you hear when he said, "Yep, I know exactly yeah. when that was." You know, I know yeah. when they made that switch. So, I, and speaking I, of talking I, too much, we do have Alice. Yeah, let's talk to Alice. Alice, you there? Uh, yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me? I can Hello? hear you. So did you hear me did you hear me say nice things about you? I did. I I, I was floored. All right, you can leave now. <laughs> I'm about to say I've been I'll go to work and uh, you know, my my name is usually going along with four letter words, so what you said was fantastic. Oh good. All right, well Lisa who who uh, we we like to have kind of run this segment because she's the one who brings people in and and prepares for it. So so why don't you guys uh, gives me a chance to to shut up and my voice is about gone again now anyway. 
So, uh, you know, let's talk about what you do and, and how you came to do it and what you're looking at uh, moving forward. Yeah, well, let me, I just want to, you know, start off by saying that uh, speaking of features, Alice happens to write one of our most popular features uh, called the Winchester Family Business, which is all about supernatural. And I don't know if Philip watches or not. I know that you're an honor fan. I have to admit, I've, I've not seen so much as an episode. And I feel oh. kind of bad because I love reading I love reading your stuff, Alice. But tell us a little bit about how you got into the show and what you put such an insane amount of work into these pieces. What, what made you decide to write about it in such detail? Um, oh, boy. Well, what got me into Supernatural is um, it, it was just a, a freak accident. I'm channel surfing one night. It's September, you know. Nothing has premiered yet, and I catch Supernatural season two finale in the last five minutes. <laughs> it's just like, whoa, what is this show? I've never heard of it before. <laughs> I mean, especially it got my attention because it's two gorgeous-looking guys sitting next to an amazing classic car. Being from Detroit, that's my thing, you know? So, <laughs> so um, you know, I instantly I want to know what this show is about. Uh, and what's a better way than Netflix? Cause, uh, so... And I'm, I found, as I've started writing the feature and everything, many people are telling me the same thing. They found it in the second and third season, some the fourth, and they've just had to sit down with DVDs and get caught up. And, and yeah, it's, a, it's an incredible experience <laughs> to see it that way, you know. But uh, I started writing about it because um, I just started hanging out in the online community, and there was a lot of misinformation out, out there about just you know me following television throughout the years there's a lot of misinformation out there about uh how networks deal with a show how networks like to promote a show uh how networks appreciate a show and how it works with the studios and everything and i was answering thread after thread after thread of uh, just uh, you know on forums uh you can't do you know it's this way because of this and this way of this and i just got fed up and wrote an article <laughs> And uh, and through um, through somebody that that I knew in another fandom who also writes for blog critics, Barbara Barnett. Uh, that's when I said, Eric, I've got an article here. Would you like to publish it? Uh-huh. <laughs> like sure. <laughs> <laughs> and this thing ended up being a huge success. Um, it uh, it circulated in. Uh, this is when I found out Supernatural really does have a huge international fandom. This uh, this article was reposted in Russian and in Bulgarian in in uh, Argentina, all over the fan sites all over the world, and then I found out uh, the Warner Brothers publicist distributed it to everybody, <laughs> and my big shock was when I went to a fan convention in Chicago in November and put the article in front of the show stars Jensen Ackles and Jared Padalecki to sign, you know, as my little memento. They said they read it, and they loved it. Wow. <laughs> and, the, and these, for people who don't watch Supernatural, we should say those are the two, I think you described them as, as gorgeous men, something like that, oh. <laughs> that, are, that are started in the show. Well, they're eye candy, but they can act, too. A lot of times you've got pretty boys who just kind of stand in front of the camera, but no, these guys can act. And it's incredible. <laughs> I'm going but, uh, to interject. You know what I noticed? Because I, I, excuse me, I did watch on uh, 
uh, I, I did get caught up like you on DVD. So you know, you're sitting there and you're watching show after show after show, and, and it, it kind of all gets compressed. But I'll tell you what, they have both really improved as far as their acting. Oh yeah. As has the writing on the show. I thought this last season was just tremendous. It, it was much less mm-hmm. predictable, and and their the depth of their you know their relationship, and just their acting in general. I think is really improved. I, I think at first they really were you know a bit more um, in their roles due to their you know appearance and just ability to kind of pull pull off that attitude. They each have an attitude of you know. Actually, the attitudes have, in some ways, become reversed now, which is interesting. But, but uh, I, I, now I, I would have no question or you know no compunction at all about about recommending them as actors as opposed to you know uh, more like a TV icons. I think they were TV icons from the beginning. But I think uh, I, I actually I'm really looking forward to seeing them in other roles other than horror. Seems to be the only thing they're doing so far on on in film. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I, re- I really think they've all, I think the show in general and, and they as actors has, has really grown. I'm very much looking forward to this, this next season. Well, I, and, you know, today, today is officially listed as the first day back in from sh- for shooting season five. So there's a script out there. They've actually apparently casted the guy who's going to play Lucifer and, um, and so a lot of things are going to start coming out in the next few weeks. And at the San Diego Comic-Con in a few weeks, they're going to do a panel, and they're supposed to show some footage from that season premiere, season five. They did that last year in season four, and I'm pretty excited because I'm actually going this year. So, Yay. Can you tell us, what, what, what do we know, any kind of plot developments? I'm trying to think, how exactly did it end? Last year it was very it, dramatic, I remember that. It, it ended with um, Sam uh, inadvertently freeing Lucifer. Oh yeah, uh, using, that's we we vote no on that typically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not a good thing. He thought he was saving the world, and oops, <laughs> other things happened. You know, he let him loose, and I think we're going to find out more about uh, you know the whole the whole plot basically of. This, uh, the, the angels played a role in making sure that happened. So now you, you don't know who the good guys and who the bad guys are anymore. <laughs> just, you yeah, just got Winchester stuck in the middle. So Right, that's one of the things that's most intriguing to me, is that they've managed to introduce another level of uncertainty, You know, it, it, whereas a lot of people would assume that once the angels got involved with the Winchester brothers that you know, they'd get some answers, but in fact, the angels themselves ended up squabbling, doubting God, and and so on. So it, it yeah, definitely complex. <laughs> yeah, well, you know that that's that's what's been kind of fun is, you know, you mentioned the that the writing has improved. Well, that's because they've kept most of the same writers on staff. The first season, it was just a whole slew of writers, so naturally the writing was all over the place. But by the second season, they really started getting established with the same core group. And these guys just, they have this vision, they have this plan, and they just know exactly what they're doing. And So, yeah, they're not going to go with typical plots. They, uh, they, they want to keep us go, surprised. Another thing I find, I find really fascinating is that they they've been more successful i think i mean it's a shorter time but you know now it's four it is four full seasons right 
Yes. You know, I was going to say, they've done what I don't think X-Files was able to do, and that is to kind of successfully merge um, a, a overarching plot, you know, the, the I forget, what do they call it on... on uh, on X Files, it was the you know it, it was uh, some more yeah it, you know meaning meaning the core overarching story of the of the whole series, combining that then with the the uh, kind of unrelated or unconnected episodes where they're just dealing with an individual monster of the week yeah exactly monster of the week so uh, Supernatural kind of started that way um, and I think it was season two. Well, I think we came in like halfway through season two, maybe. Oh no, no, we came at the beginning of season three, actually. So because we yeah. went back and watched both one and two on DVD. Uh, but anyway, they, I had the sense when we first were watching that that they were kind of in a, for, a formula, you know, rather similar to the X Files of kind of like you know every other week you're doing a monster of the week and and then. Uh, and then doing the the core story, but you know by by this season, this last season, uh, it, it was really all quite seamless. You know, it, it seemed to flow really well and be very unpredictable. I didn't know, you couldn't even tell necessarily at the beginning of each episode. Hey, you know, which kind of story this is? They all kind of became hybrids, and and, uh, and and things came up from the past. You know, were very neatly and interestingly linked. Um, and uh, I, I just, yeah, I mean, I, it, this is one of the shows where I really, and it doesn't happen that often, where it does just keep getting better. And, and, and I don't feel, you know, I, I haven't had that pang of regret of having wasted my time. It's like, oh, God, is this all it's come to? I mean, I was an enormous X-Files fan, but, you know, toward the end it was like, this is the best well, they can do, you know, that kind of thing. And I haven't felt well, that I mean, yet at all. I've, I've been really impressed by um, how they've been able to mount the scale. You know what I mean? Like, wow, I mean, we're really t- – I feel apocalypse looming. I, it doesn't, it's not like a joke for me. You know what I mean? Well, oh, absolutely. And, you know, Eric Kripke, the creator, has said in many interviews, you know, and Sarah Gamble, the head writer, where um, – you know they've they've learned from Lost. They've learned from the X Files, where you cannot let lose control of an arc. You can't let this monster spiral out of control and just and confuse everyone. They they want to have a few things going at once, but they want to throw in some resolution too here and there. You know, keep us satisfied because the last thing they want is the frustrated viewers. And and part of their part of each season is also fueled on the fact that they're on a piddly little network that you don't know is going to be around next season. So they are always treating each season like it's their last when they write. So that, that's That's why a lot of the storylines are a lot tighter. You know, they're not like Lost where we're on the six-year plan. No. <laughs> but, of course, you know, so it, it, it's the same thing. You know, they're trying to approach season five where it might be their last. They just don't know, so. So can you tell us anything about next season? Any, any um, uh, spoilers? There, there's there's not many. Um, they are going to, I mean, Lucifer is going to emerge as a presence. They did cast an actor. The guy who played Jacob on Lost, he's going to be um, playing Lucifer. Oh. Which I think he was wonderful in Lost, so I can't wait to see how that turns out. They're going to bring <laughs> back some of the older characters from um, past storylines. 
um, probably more from season two than anything. Um, uh, I know Chuck the Prophet will be back. <laughs> I love him. Good, good, yeah. <laughs> and, and Misha Collins, who plays Castiel, is a regular this season, so you're going to see him in just about every episode. He's actually joining the cast. So. Nice. Um, He's yeah, very good. What was he? I saw him in something else. I was really surprised how different he was. I mean, you know, it made me realize what a good actor he is. He was in some. Other even movie. on even on this show, when he's momentarily not Castiel, I uh, don't want to necessarily give away too much, but uh, he seems like a totally. I mean, it's the same actor, but he really, really manages to seem like a totally. That's what it was. Maybe, person. maybe I'm just. I did see him somewhere else, but maybe I'm also thinking about yeah, when he played right, he's playing essentially. It, everything was different. His body language. I mean, he really was like a different person. He's very successful at that. I was, I was really well, impressed. I, I've actually met Misha in person, and I think that when he was playing Jimmy, the um, you know the vessel for the for the angel, right. Castiel, I think he was being more himself. <laughs> when he's uh, on Castiel, he's very authoritative and straight laced, you know, and that's not the actor at all. Well, he is personally, he's kind of a goofball personally and kind of laid back. So yeah, I, I'm thinking he was putting more of his own personality into that character when he when he let it loose. So. And, and Eric, he's also been on episodes of Nip Tuck, CSI, Without a Trace, Monk, ER, and a number of. In fact, oh. He was uh, Alexis Drazen on 24, season, what was that, yeah. first season? Oh. Yeah, first season. Wow. Yeah. yeah, he was. That's right. All right, well, I've seen him all over. Um, um, I at least watched some of those shows, uh, you know, at least sometimes. Uh, yeah, so I, I'm I'm impressed, too. And uh, it's, it's, it's really interesting in that you can tell the show is on – is not on one of the big three, and I suppose it's big four now, although even Fox still looks a little different to me from the other three in terms of production values. And get this, the actor pool is different, you know? I don't recognize any of those women that they've had on that show. You know, if well, you watch... You, I mean, okay, go ahead. You, you know what I mean? I was going to say, within that framework, they've done a remarkable job. I mean, it's just as professional... You know, as any network, but it seems as though they're working, you know, with a different set, A, of actors, uh, and, and, and B, I, you know, I'm guessing the, the, uh, the budget is, isn't what it is on, you know, if, if the show uh, was on ABC, you know, was lost or something. Oh no, no. This is a this is a very low budget show and it's incredible what they pull off with that budget. It is. <laughs> it's amazing. It's believable. Um you know, and as far as the actor pool goes, they film in Vancouver. So yeah, it's it's whatever actors will come up to Vancouver and work. Which, you know, there's there's an amazing list of talented people. But you know, a lot of, like I've been catching up on Smallville on DVD, and I see a lot of the same actors on that show, and that's filmed out of Vancouver. I just think they all pool each other's actors and just right. Throw well, them then on. I'm right. It is kind of network oriented, or or at least location oriented. Because you don't, you know, you don't recognize those people from from you know the way you see the same faces over and over again uh, on so many of the other network shows. You know, the guest mm-hmm. the guest stars, the you know down down to the down you know the, the the locations are amusing too. Like you you mentioned, Alice, they film everything in Vancouver. There was an episode recently set in a suburb of Dallas. I can't remember which one, Mesquite, Texas, or 
Irving, Texas or something like that. And when the, when the placeholder came up on the screen, I burst out laughing because it's this cabin, dilapidated cabin in the middle of the woods. And I looked at the trees around the cabin and thinking, there is nothing like that within 200 miles of that suburb. <laughs> well, you know what's really funny is both actors are from Texas, and they knew that place looked nothing like Texas. And uh, you could tell in some of their body language the way they were kind of goofing around and playing with that, you know? But, yeah, no. It was supposed to be a suburb of Dallas, and here they are, yeah, out in the woods. It's very lush looking for Texas, yeah. Uh, my biggest criticism is Ohio. You know, when they when they show Ohio with these mountains in the background, it's like, no, uh-uh. <laughs> no, it's flat. True. Uh, I mean, you'd have to, uh, off in the southeastern corner, there's some, you know, a, well, yeah, a, a bit, a bit of them... a rise, but that's not where they are. You're right. Hey, no, how they put you... them in like, oh, go ahead, go ahead. I was just going to say, I, something I don't pay all that much attention to, uh, other than kind of after the fact how have the ratings been? The ratings of season four were the highest they've ever been for the CW. Um, the very first season they aired on the old WB network, when it, which compared to what the CW gets, this was like three times bigger. And um, and so um, it, obviously they could they've never matched season one. I don't think ever any CW show will ever match what the WB got, but. Um, um, three seasons on the CW. Season four was by far their biggest, and um, it was average about 3.2 million live and 3.8 with DVR. Oh wow! So, you mean another so, another 3.8 or another 0.6? No, another 0.6. 3.8 okay. total with DVR. Okay. And um, plus, the show has a huge international fan base. I think it's like top ten in Australia. It's number one on. Um, the network it airs in England, um, it's huge in, um, I think, the Asia-Pacific region. forget what it is. I even heard a, a rumor it was number one show in Russia, but I still can't verify that. So. <laughs> Interesting. Well, that's a, pretty strong, that's a pretty strong base, then, I would say. Yeah. Well, it airs in over 70 countries. So uh, it's, uh, I find that... You know, despite the the poor network it's on here, it does better in other countries because they'll put them on their better networks. So, huh. but it, they also end up. But I'm sorry, what's that? Go ahead, go ahead. Oh, I was just saying. Um, um, I'm just saying. Yeah, you know, it's a. Uh, um, actually, I've forgotten this thought now. Just yeah, it's the CW. It's it's not a good network. It never will be, and they don't support the show because they want to support Gossip Girl and 90210 and be the girly network. But they were stuck with these two shows, uh, Smallville and Supernatural, because it was left over from the WB. And it's still their two biggest shows, by far in ratings. Has there ever been uh, any talks of moving it up, you know, to one of the other four? Um, No. No, I think, uh, you know, CBS half owns um, the CW, along with Warner Brothers. and, And... you know, any talk about going up to the networks, then Warner Brothers kind of loses control because they don't own the network. <laughs> and uh, Warner Brothers does produce Supernatural. And, um, you know, by having an in-house show like this, it's low budget, and they reap all the benefits from um, from DVD sales and international distribution. 
and they aired on a network that uh, will let the you know that that's cheap. <laughs> it's it, 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 you're seeing this phenomenon a lot with all the other networks where it's just cheaper to air an in-house show and keep it within network for where you may lose money on the show itself, but then, you know, when you get it out into the distribution channel, if it's, a, you know, a sister studio within your umbrella, your corporate umbrella, then it works out for you. So. How is it done on DVD? Fantastic. Um, I, um, I forget the sales on uh, season three, but... They were um, usually when it comes out, it's uh, boy, I have to check the number, but I know that when it came out the first week, it was ranked top ten, which is good for a little show like that. I think it was first, number five overall, and first in TV. So, huh? Well, I always see it, uh, you know, at Walmart where they're so cutthroat. I mean, if it doesn't sell, they don't keep it in, you know. Uh, but I always see it available um, the first, uh, you know, each. As the new seasons become available, but uh, I've just just made note of that. Yeah, they're still you know one and two still available at uh, season one and two at Walmart. So well, season I, four, I'm sorry, season four comes out September first. So. That will be cool. I, I'm less inclined to get it on DVD if I've already seen it though. I mean, because we man, we watched mm-hmm. the we we uh, DVR'd you know every episode and 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 watched them. Usually, uh, you know, we watched them twice. I have to admit, because <laughs> and, and we always watch. You know, I mean, we didn't. We don't really stop watching. Uh, by now, we have. But you know, we we watch. We often watch the repeats, the in-season repeats. We probably don't watch so much once the season's actually over. But we do watch the in-season repeats, and you pick up a little things here and there. And yeah, I mean, it's it's a really good show. And like I say, uh, I'm not exaggerating at all when I say that I, I wouldn't have even take a note of it because we just don't watch that many you know network broadcast shows we don't have that much time we got kids they want to watch what they want to watch you know busy oh. life we, we watch movies blah 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 we we just you know we watch three maybe three four shows maximum uh you know at any given time and so yeah, adding yeah, one is is a pretty big deal and but we did so very specifically because of of your enthusiasm and your descriptive abilities, and so I, oh, I really you. appreciate that. And I'm sure there's plenty of other people who who have done the same thing because of you. Yep, I'm one of them. I started watching because of your article too. Well, thank you. Yes, I mean, well, actually, I think I've, I've been reading your articles, and then Eric started raving about the show, and that pushed me over the edge. <laughs> so what do you think, Philip? I mean, what's your overall assessment of the show? I think that, as mentioned before, I'm I'm not a fan of Fringe, though I'm told that it's, it's changed a lot. I, I think Fringe tries to be what Supernatural is, and that is the the worthy heir and replacement of the X-Files. Yeah. And I'm, I'm a huge X-Files fan, have even the sucky seasons on DVD. So, uh, you know, for me, that's, that's saying quite a bit. Well, I love good X-Files, and, you know, I mean, I was really a big fan. In fact, we just watched the movie, the first movie, um, not that long ago, and, and that was pretty good, too. I, I, I kind of didn't remember that it was as good as it was. And uh, uh, I agree. I, I think this is, you know, worthy of, um, and in some ways, better, but, it, you know, it's again, we know it's shorter so far. It's not trying to go, what was it, nine years, I think. Um, the X Files did, well, but and the X Supernatural benefited two X Files veterans started with that show. 
Don Chabon and Kim Manners and Kim, Kim Manners, Manners was, friend. Yeah, I mean he was he was their their patriarch until the day he died. I mean that was just devastating to them, you know. So, um, but yeah, it, there was a ton of X Files fluence. I think that's you see in season one they were trying to be more X Files, <laughs> and then then after a while they just said, "Now nah, let's just go and do it this way." So. Well, I think it, it's very difficult to pull off. I mean, so many either shows or movies try to do it. It's, but it's very difficult to pull off, and, and then even more so, I think, to sustain it, that combination of humor and genuine scariness. I mean, that, you know, that's a pretty scary show. I mean, we, we kind of started watching with the kids, and then after a few episodes, like, whoa, that is way too scary for the kids. Yeah. You know? Uh, and, uh, I mean, they were just mortified <laughs> by some, you know, particularly bloody episode, uh, I recall. And uh, even Lily, who's pretty tough at nine, and um, but anyway, that that combination of of humor because it's often hilarious, you know, with yeah. genuine scariness plus a very coherent and interesting story arc. It's you know, it's it's quite a show. Well, I, I have to agree with you there. It's uh, I, it's certainly that. I mean. Here, here's someone like me who just absolutely loves sci-fi, and I didn't hear of it until the third season or near third season. So it just goes to show you, it's, it's you know, it's, it's, it's just that's the way television is. There's too many choices nowadays. It's hard to get attention. So. Yeah, well, sure. When you add in the pay networks and the cable networks, it is amazing. We've just we're right right now. What we're watching is Dead Like Me. You guys watch that? Oh. Any of you? Nope. No. On DVD, it was just it was two seasons on, I can't remember, was it Showtime or HBO? or It was definitely a pay one because there's a lot of swearing. Uh, but it was just two seasons, and then they made a movie. Um, it was 03 and 04. I had no idea it was that far back. But then they made a movie that came out this year. And so they packaged the movie with season one, with the two seasons. And uh, I am really hooked on that one. That's a tremendous show. I love the girl. Um she's really different looking. Basically that one is is uh you're you're watching the quotidian day-to-day activities uh and, and it's remarkably telling in the detail of of uh reapers and their job is to assist the soul of uh of the dear departed uh and and they they um make life easier quote unquote uh no pun intended easier by removing the soul prior to death and and then uh you know escort them to wherever it is they're going but the ones where the actual reapers are in a kind of a limbo where they're they're not allowed to move on yet because they have something left to be resolved and the star is it was an 18-year-old girl and it's just this amazing combination of hilarity it's really funny but man they do not shy away from you know the obvious pathos i mean they treat it as if it were real it's really sad when an 18 year old girl dies and she's the star of the show and they follow her family too so it's not just her it's not just all haha funny games yeah we have this you know clever plot uh this clever concept here they follow the girl's family in the aftermath and what happens you know what has happened to them and how they respond to her loss and man, there are times that I literally am crying, and it's either laughter, either from 
you know, hilarity or or a real sadness. I don't remember a show that has made me feel that genuinely, that has touched me in that way so deeply. Uh, you know, where where I really care about these characters. And like I say, it's only two seasons, so you can get through it pretty quickly. Uh, I think maybe it's thirteen each because uh, it's a cable season. 13 shows each, so maybe there's a total of 26. I don't know. I haven't even counted, but I'm just guessing. And we're we're about halfway through season two now, so I, I'm I'm already thinking in terms of how sad I'm going to be, you know, when it's over. So I, that's when I really recommend some of the you know some of the similar things. I seem to be drawn to to things that involve uh, <laughs> you know supernatural elements and and death and and this combination of of uh, of uh, if not horror, then you know at least um, you know, mystery and and uh, and that side of things, but then also comedy. And this one is it strikes a. I'd say supernatural is is more you know geared toward the scary horror uh, element with with humor to leaven it. This one's slightly probably the other way. It's a little more funny than it is the other stuff. But it's really touching because they do they treat these people, including the people who you know, who are dying in each show. That they're assisting, you know, as real people, as individuals, it's it, it's as if they said, "What if this really bizarre, far-fetched scenario was real? What would it be like? And and how would we feel about these people?" And it's 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 really something. So, Dead Like Me, if you like, uh, we we really do all seem to like some of the same things about some of the, a lot of the same shows. I I would recommend that one highly. Well, cool. I, I definitely check that out. Having said that, we're now 12 minutes past the end of the show, and uh, I'm thinking the call I'm getting is yes from home saying, where am I? So thanks so much for us and also for your amazing contributions to the site. Really do appreciate it, and I'm telling you, absolutely, it, don't ever question that you have made a real impact on people's lives. Oh, well. Thank you. Um, I guess uh, I guess I I didn't know that, but yeah, I I've, I don't know. I'm going to go to Comic Con in a few weeks, and I'm sure I'll I'll hear a lot of the same things. So. Well, I hope you hear it because it's true. Well, thank you. Yes, um, it's always good to hear. It puts in the hours I put into this, and it, where I question why am I doing this. Well, then, but now I know. Yes. How you why? There is a why, at least. You know, and that uh, we appreciate it, and and um, um, I hope it's worthwhile to you because it, it is, you know, it's it's important to us. It's important to the site, and it's important to your readers. So thanks as always to Philip and Lisa, and for this week, Alice. Certainly love to have you back on. You know, once we get into the new season, it'll be really great to hear your thoughts on what's going on and to blab right. about it. And uh, thanks, uh, as always, to our listeners, and we will talk to you next week. Have a great one. Farewell.